The title of this morning's Dharma talk is Perception is Not Proof. And you might say, well, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. So we're talking about basically mundane perception, seeing that something is light or dark, good or bad, helping us, hindering us, perception of something else, something other, or perception of one's apparent self. But if you look deeply into it, there's there's the partial truth, a relative truth that is taught, but there is an overlooking of the absolute truth. So if if perception is proof, which I'm saying it isn't, but if perception, just perception were to be proof, without a doubt, with no vacillation, with no alternation, just the truth, then this would be uh, a teaching of a Buddhist teaching called Vijnapti Matra, or consciousness only, perception only. As long as there are discriminations or distinctions, we end up going in circles, don't we? I mean, you want this, you don't want that. Someone agrees with you, someone disagrees with you. Your parents, your children, your aunts, your uncles, your family, your country, the whole place is in a mess most of the time. It has been century after century. This is nothing new that we're in today. It's just a, a modern version of what happened in the Roman Empire. And yes, I was there. And you probably were too. You just don't remember it. And then you might say, so does that mean you remember it? No, I, I don't remember it. I just never forgot it. That's how I remember it. You can't remember something that you haven't forgotten. Reflect on that. You think that's a puzzle? It's only a puzzle if you think there's a this and a that. There's a me and an other. If you think that that's happening, then you'll have friends and enemies and neutrals. It's very difficult to live that way. Think about your life. If you're in this room, you probably could use just a little bit of this message. Maybe the whole thing, uh, the whole, uh, what do they say, in, uh, down the hood? I don't know. I don't live in the hood. <laughs> of course, I've never left the hood, have I? I don't know. Don't go there? Battle Creek Hood. The Battle Creek Hood. <laughs> this is it. So uh, what I'm uh, endeavoring to point out to anyone who gives me permission to say anything, which if you're in this room, I guess you're going to give me a few minutes of your time, I would just say, just consider it. Consider when you go for right and wrong, good and bad, success and failure, that this puts you in a, a ping pong match with your life and with the world. And you'll, you'll alternate between feeling very good, feeling very bad, and then feeling kind of neutral, which is sometimes called happiness. Even, even extreme happiness goes away, and then it's replaced by either some kind of neutrality where we don't know what's going to happen next, or might, might even feel insecure, and the next, maybe the next thing it might happen, or maybe not, but it could happen where suddenly we feel really bad and really don't even know who to blame for it. So perception is not proof of anything. If you perceive something, we're not saying that it, that it isn't something you're experiencing or something that's happening or something that makes you feel good or bad or indifferent to. We're just saying that if you put your energy into working with that kind of positive, negative situation, you're going to find yourself at war with somebody. Your perceived self, who you think you are, or the perceived other, who can show up as an enemy, 
we've all had situations where we where we thought somebody was really harming us or hurting us and then when we but if we've given it a little bit of a break and we look closer into that we realize that oh no they they weren't that was not intentional at all that was something that they they misunderstood what i was saying then i misunderstood how they responded to what i was saying and it gets very convoluted this is not to say that there aren't people organizations big organizations that aren't out to stomp you right into the ground we all know that and what do we do about that there's the whole world is clamoring for some kind of resolution to that well i've got one for you and you're not going to like it particularly because it doesn't get a lot of votes in the press it doesn't get it's not a mundane solution like protest or go to war or elect the right people or all of that stuff that just keeps spinning and spinning and spinning if you want to help the world grow up you want to help the world stop whining unless of course if you have the flu then you can whine which i just spent several days doing what do i mean by that i'll tell you what i mean by that since i'm going to answer my own question I'm saying find the area in your mind where you have a complaint. Maybe you're not verbalizing it, but you have a complaint about somebody or something, maybe yourself or whatever. I, I would say, give it a rest, please. You wanna know how to do that? Train your mind. How do you train your mind? Look at the room you're in. Look at what you've stumbled into or keep coming back to because you're not quite sure whether you wanna do this or not. Sit down, hold still. Watch what the mind does over and over and over, because what it is usually doing is it is, at, it is at war with something, or it's at peace with something, or it's neutralized and nothing's happening, and I don't even know why I'm doing this. Those three. Those are the three poisons, passion, aggression, and ignorance. The three poisons are the energies that run the ego mind, which is based on the bandits of hope and fear. Hope and fear are characterized as little demons who hide in the bushes and when wisdom when the wisdom mind comes by they rob that wisdom wisdom mind of its clarity yes while we're still in the process of training our mind what do we do when we get on a track of blame or pointing fingers just observe it and you may you may have to point some fingers you may have to actually literally literally make a fool of yourself like it says in the pillow in the other room you may have to kill somebody Somebody thought that was pretty funny. I think it was Kevin Townley. And he had somebody sew a pillow because he thought, that's really original for a Zen monk to say you may have to kill somebody. So he made it into a pillow and then put up a knife with blood dripping off of it. Have all of you seen that? Cool. Anyway, you could probably sell those. Somebody want to buy These days, just about in this postmodern age, so what I'm what I was saying by that is no, don't kill somebody. You don't have to kill somebody, but you may have to stop forcing your emotions and your feelings down. You may have to let some of them arise so you can really see who you are. You're not going to find, and this is not a guarantee because I don't know. There's probably ways of doing this that I don't know about for sure. But you're probably not going to find help from a, a psychiatrist or a therapist that will fundamentally help you. I'm not saying you can't get help from just having somebody to talk to who will listen to you and be understanding and not add to your issues and problems and blaming someone who just will be there with you. It's pretty powerful. On the other hand, unless you, your karma is uh, quite unusual, you probably will spin around and spin around and spin around 
and uh, what will happen? Sickness, aging, and death. That's the last of the 12 links on the chain of existence, starting with ignorance. We're born and we go through these different steps, which I'm not going to go into today. I can give a talk on that at some point. But eventually, this all comes down as we come to an end. We somehow ignore that ending. We manage to go bowling, watch sports, drink coffee, senchu. When you say perception is not proof, yes, um, it's not proof of what? It's not proof that it means anything. Picking and choosing, as it says in the sutras, is disease of the mind. To actually prefer this over that, it, it's it's not that that simple perception that you don't like vanilla over chocolate ice cream. We're not talking about that, where it's just a very simple exchange. That's just part of being uh, of being here and existing. It's when we grasp at one and reject the other, and that's what kind of happens. We find an area where we're we really like one thing, and we just start to get really upset about the opposite. It doesn't really seem it doesn't seem to make any difference whether one is really really justified. I mean, we can we can we can talk all day about what's justified activity and what is not just totally wrong and not justified and just terrible. But the thing is, the dependent origination of everything has its roots has its roots in karma cause and effect and cause and effect and cause and effect billions billions trillions countless numbers of things coming together to produce one apparent singularity or result this is all we're doing when we when i say train the mind i'm just saying please find out who you are without a doubt so you have no question about yourself if you're questioning who this is and what you're doing and what's valuable what's what's not valuable what you should spend your life doing please first find out who, the, who it is that even has such a question. Identity. It's mistaken identity that is at the basis of everything. This is what the Buddha discovered. Probably the first words out of his mouth after he uh, had a glass of milk and made himself comfortable on the kusha grass. After he stopped torturing himself. Was everything is dependently arisen. There are no single separate things anywhere. Everything that looks like a singularity, including human beings, dogs, cats, raccoons, rabbits, is actually dependent on everything else for its apparent separation. You, you, can't, you can't be a human being and just come out of nowhere. You, you need the cause and effect of your mom and your dad and their mother and their father and their mother and their father going back generation after generation. Here we are in the so-called, which century is this? Anybody know? Oh, good. Thanks. So here we have it. We even have a number for it so we can keep track. I know when I was very young, I'm very visual. So when I was very young and I heard about this thing, I, I thought something's amiss about this because every year looks like a hot dog. It looks like a sausage link and say so everything happens inside that sausage and then it, then it goes to the next sausage, the next sausage. And so I had, when I tried to remember what happened in history, like it would, it would show up as little pictures inside these sausages. I even had from one from one, when my father was killed in World War II in Germany, March 16, 1945. It's an area there where he's kind of at the end of that sausage. Dependent origination. Everything is dependently arisen. All, all of your, all I'm really mentioning that about that is we have ways. We each have ways of 
numbering. I might not do much with numbers, but I'm really strong on images and visuals. They're powerful. They, they kept me enslaved most of my life. I would like to help you, but only with your permission. Don't, again, you've heard me say this. If you've listened to any of my talks at all, you've heard me say, don't believe a word I say. Walk out of here and go do something else. Do something, if something else seems, uh, uh, no. eh, Sokazan's all right, but I, I think I'm gonna do thus and so, or I'm gonna go study this direction, or I'm not gonna do this. I'm gonna just continue to talk to my CBT counselor. Or what's that kind of therapy you do? <laughs> Don't you have a name for it? Hangout. Hangout therapy. <laughs> yeah. That's why people love you. They hang out with you. They don't want to hang out with me. Probably bad breath. <laughs> so what is it about seeing perception only that is liberating? If you see that that everything is perception only, that every experience, every sound, every smell, every taste, <clears throat> every touch, everything is just perception only goes no further than that, then this is liberation. But I can't hand it to you. I'm just giving you some, some concepts and I'm giving you a suggestion so that you can, there's a possibility in this lifetime that you can liberate yourself because this is a big picture. We're not talking about, well, I'm 76. So we're not talking about 76 years or whatever number of years you are, less than this old man. But liberate yourself from that because you're going to be back. Not you personally, but this consciousness principle that operates, that shows up as a you that wears a red shirt, wears a black shirt with skull and crossbones on it. It's outlaw yoga. That's like Dharma punks, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to practice the Dharma, those Dharma punks. Yes. How does perception only work? It really doesn't work. It's, it's not separate. Only something that works, only something that is separate can work. So it's just the case. There's no, there's no effort to it. There's no, no extending yourself. There's really not even any reminding yourself, although that could happen. You could get in trouble at some point and, and realize that nothing is separate. So, there, so nothing is threatened. You can't threaten something that's not separate from everything. If your identity is no longer attached to a being, I'm not saying you're going to not eat or you're going to you're going to treat yourself uh, like a, a rock laying on the ground, but, but it's the clinging and grasping part that makes it difficult. Look at, look at your mind. Look at the way we grasp. Sometimes we have no explanation at all for the negativity that's arising in us. We have no explanation. And in this path, that's, that's a really good sign because you are finally starting to deal with the raw, rugged edges of the emotion rather than attributing it to someone or blaming this or blaming that. When the stories start to fall away, the, 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 the difficulty can get more intense. It, it can even come up in the form of words like, I think I'm on the wrong path. I mean, I've been meditating for years and, and this sucks. That's why you have someone like me here to say, keep going. Could that be thought of? as loss of self. What? I have no feeling like I have. I'm not sure what your question I'm here I hear you, but I'm not. Just the realization of perception only that even feelings are just perception. Yeah, they are. But that doesn't mean you've lost yourself because even the self is perception only. Right. 
Don't say right too quick. Don't agree with me. I don't need your feedback. You're talking to a Zen guy. <laughs> Keep coming. You're, you're actually by, let me say this much, you're by asking questions, you help me to teach. Because I can I can just sit here and talk into midair. I don't know what the hell to say. When I get up and uh, from the hojo and come down the hallway, and here I, I invariably I have no idea. I mean, I have a title of the talk. I even have some notes. You'll notice I don't bring them out because I don't know what they mean. Yes. What is the difference between trying to perceive and perception only? Perception only. Trying for to, trying to perceive is if you're trying to perceive the ultimate, then this is this is the practice. This is the path. The there's ground path and fruition. There's a threefold logic. Threefold logic. The ground in this situation. The ground is suffering. We don't like what's happening in our life, or something is amiss. Something's not right. I keep having this happen or that happen. I think I might need some kind of practice or a discipline or something. So you stumble into a place like this or read a book about meditation or Buddhism and you come here and then that's the path, the, the, the struggle. We need to struggle until we see that the struggle is extra. And when the struggle becomes extra, this is a big insult to ego. Ego does not like to fail. And the path to liberation is, has no reward for ego in it. And so the ego mind, the self-centered mind is, it's going down. It's not going down and it's going to disappear. It's just suddenly becomes transparent. You suddenly no longer, your ego can hang around and jabber at you all at once. Well, they don't like you. Well, you don't need to take that off of them. Or you need to straighten up and do this or do that. Or you shouldn't do this, you should do that. It's like this uh, internal parent that suddenly becomes a hologram. This doesn't mean you shut them out because that's another kind of trying to get somewhere. Just observe. Yes. In here, uh, it said, that's my karma. Can karma be perceived? Well, yeah, it's just a simple thing like cause and effect, if that's what you're saying. You have your, you're, you're born, you don't know how you got here. I certainly don't. Don't know if I'd ever want to come back. I mean, it's okay. But it's, it kind of sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> and life is suffering. The cause is desire. Wanting things to be different than they are. Actually, it's... It's a diff as long as there's some kind of a axe to grind with the world or with others or with yourself or any kind of polarity happening at all, this is a delusion. And this has to be seen. And this is what the Buddha 2,500 years ago, out of his six year uh, sojourn into the forest to discover uh, the cause of suffering, the cause of impermanence, the cause of belief in the self. Yes. A question from um, Junshu. She asks, she's over in the east side of the state. What is so convincing about perception that makes us cling to self and other? I think it's the, the threat and the promise. Because the mind conjures or makes up stories about things that make some things pretty good. We should go that way and other things. In other words, that there's some kind of a, something in it for us. Some kind of strategizing, trying to... So we perceive because things are a big contrast. Night and day is a big contrast. Life and death is a big contrast. Success and failure, the eight worldly dharmas of success and failure, pain and pleasure, all these contrasts. 
They're, it's very seductive to get to the feel, good feeling and stay away from the bad feeling. And we're, and we're not saying that's wrong. We're just saying be very aware of that so you can see that that which is going from one to another doesn't fluctuate at all. That which, yes, question? How do we, how do we know if we're aware? How do we know we're not deceiving ourselves? Uh, as long as you have that question, you're deceiving yourself. So literally. If you're not deceiving yourself, that won't be a question because there's no self. So as long as you, you're not sure whether you're deceiving yourself or not, you have work to do. And when I say work, I don't mean uh, shoveling uh, peanuts. I mean sitting down, holding still, watching your mind continually to make up stories and deceive, deceive, deceive until you eventually look at this deception and then you look at the deceiver and then you find that the deceiver is unreal and is based on hope and fear, getting somewhere or losing something. And when you see that, that starts to break apart. And I, I don't know, other than that, I don't know what else to say other than find out more. Good. Yes. From San Ho over in Saginaw. I know that guy. How does perception only work in social situations? The, the, the thing I often say, and San Ho's heard me say this before, is 90-10. Uh, Receive, 90% of the time, just receive, listen, hear, smell, taste, touch, think. And then 10% of the time, express yourself. Say something. I mean, you could even say, if somebody, if you're looking at someone, and they're looking at you, and they're um, talking about whatever situation, you can could, you could inquire, well, how does that, how does that work for you? Or how, how's that job going? You could just be social. You don't have to particularly go in and and uh, what do they say? Brown knows somebody. You don't have to make sure nobody's upset with you. If, if you do that, it's uh, difficult. It's like the, that guy texted Sanho about when, when you're young, everybody thinks you're weird. And then when you get a little bit older, then they start getting afraid of you. And then when you get really old, uh, then, they, then they start respecting you and think you're wise. It's all a bunch of baloney. Kozan from Traverse City has a question. She asks, what is a consciousness principle? I'm, I'm not, I understand the, the concepts, but I'm not sure what she's, she, Kozan, why don't you elaborate a little bit? Consciousness principle, consciousness <clears throat> is, is a word, a concept. The word principle is a concept. I'm not sure what you're looking for. A question from Tayo up in Traverse City. Yes. How does being a fool or killing someone benefit our practice when our insight is still rooted in the first link of avidya? Take it, Nana. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, what am I saying? Relax. Relax. Just your tayo. Your your get your mind is so active that you're you're you. It's not that you don't want to understand this. Of course you do. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. But you're, you're bringing all of this logic and reasoning up into, it's almost like I'm seeing you go up into the, in some other area where none of us are and I wait for you to come back down, you come back down, then you have this question. I'm saying relax. Killing someone, that's, that's meant basically as humor. But I'm just saying, what I'm saying by that is you may have to do something that's really intense. You may, something may show up in your life that you thought, well, I'll never do that. And then the next thing you know, you find that karma 
causes and effects, other people, activities. Suddenly you find yourself in a situation you thought, I'll never, I'll never, here I am doing something I thought I would never do. Reflect on it. It's, it happens quite a bit. Did I miss part of his question? Not yet. No, that, that, no it was only a one. The first link of a video, perhaps. You video. Shato. What do we get out of clinging to our perceptions as proof of something? We, we get, we strengthen the self that can win or lose. And we, we have a temporary feeling of safety, of accomplishment, of praise. You know, we all have praise and blame. We all have had, sometimes we have praise. We graduate from college, from high school. We get a really good job. We get a great mate who's really, uh, you know, understanding and is great to talk to and be with. You know those kind of things. You've had you've had things like that, and we and that's a. It's there's not wrong. It's just that that kind of of attachment or attraction, and and a, even mild kind of fixation eventually ends in suffering of some kind, some kind of difficulty, because we causes and conditions impermanence eventually breaks that apart. Death is one of them. Sickness just starts to break it apart, and it's painful. And it's not to say that we should be very stoic and oh my. My mate's about to die, but I'm I'm liberated, so I don't have any problem with that. Not talking about that, we're saying that it could be extremely, it could be excruciating for you to leave, lose your mate. It's the attachment that makes it worse. We can, I'd be happy to talk about that the rest of the morning. Shoka, what is the excruciating um, that's not part of the attachment? Okay, I'm, uh, you said things could be excruciating, but it's the attachment that. Yeah, excruciating just means your nerve endings are operating properly. But life is suffering. The Buddha didn't come out and say so, sometimes. He said life, life is suffering. The very nature of being living beings is suffering because of all these nerve endings we have. It's not to say, the example I'm always using, you can have the same nerve endings that, that, uh, that feel a feather going across your, your hand or the same nerve endings that feel a, star, a sharp spike going across your hand. Same nerve ending. Just one's more intense, so one is thought of suffering and the other's pleasure. And that that shows up in all the sense fields. If you look at it, if it's just a little bit, then it's kind of nice because it, it's sensitive. You know, we, we sense that through our consciousness. We receive it through the six sense fields and their objects. Yes. So it's not about losing the feelings; it's about the attachment to those feelings. Yes. So yeah, it's the attachment. Have happiness, sadness, pleasure, yeah. pain, attachment. And yes, those. and it's the it, it reifies or reinforces a, an identity of someone who is attached. Just the feeling alone, you might say, well, if someone was uh, realized or enlightened or using those fancy words, uh, who would be feeling the pleasure or the pain? And I would say, pleasure would be feeling pleasure. Pain would be feeling pain. The five skandhas of form, feeling perception, concept, or thinking process, and consciousness of the six sense fields and their objects are liberated from being attached to each other and creating an artificial self we call ego. Like we have in, our, in the public uh, domain, we have really intense egos operating. They've been doing this for centuries. Quite often they're called dictators. Got to quit? Not, um, not yet. We got a couple more questions. Good. Another one from Sanho. Yes. Can you talk a bit about protecting ego through pacifism? It seems easy to conflate pacifism and perception. P 
pacifism. I'm not sure I... Maybe you can elaborate. Well, I have an idea about it. I can say that pacifying something is, is a way of taking in really negative, difficult energy or confused energy that's coming your way, and rather than fighting with it, rather than running away from it, you could, through your understanding of what it is, uh, as try to soften it or calm it down. You can even lie to the person. So it's not about not lying. It's being aware of lies. Awareness is king. Awareness is queen. Awareness, awareness, awareness. There's nothing to attain. Just realize what this is. It's not separate. It's perception only. And so if you find yourself with a sit someplace where some person is having, because of fear, they're intensely striking out and being aggressive or mean, or maybe they're the uh, doing whatever they're doing that's difficult, if you have some kind of interchange, there's some kind of present, they're present and you're present and that's happening, then you could possibly pacify that situation. Oh, and I, you know, I, I can't really come up with some kind of protocol. If you train your mind so that you, if you can, ha if you can work with and pacify your own passion, aggression, and ignorance, then when you get up off the cushion and go out into what we call post meditation or your everyday life, then you'll have some skill that's based on real firsthand experience of so sitting down and working with your own negativity. Most people don't want to meditate very long because if you sit here very long, pretty soon you're all of your ghosts and goblins start climbing up the side of the, of the well and they want a piece of your butt. It's like cowboys and Indians in ancient India. Yeah. Yes. Question from Shane out in California. I know him. He says, Mary Damamas, Damamas, instead of. Christmas, Dharma Mas. He's such a creative. Dharma Mas, yeah. <laughs> and then his question is, why is perception such a paradox? I.e., hope and fear come from belief in a solid self, which comes from hope and fear. Yes. Good observation. What are you going to do about that? Don't do anything unless you have to. Settle down. Hold still. If you, if you're, if you, if it's necessary for you to enter this incredible incredibly giant mandala we call our neighborhood, our city, our state, our world, our country, our universe. If, you're, if you settle down and just open up, the universe will tell you what to do next. You don't have to think at all. If you realize what this is, you'll never make another decision. They will just occur. You'll just do this or you won't do this. It won't be an either or. Yes? Perception only. Could you use another word like balance? Mm. It doesn't appear that way. It appears like whatever whatever you're seeing, you're not separate from. The the view the seeing of it and what is being seen, in other words, the subject, so-called subject, and the so-called object, even though they're here in a concrete way. I mean, blood is flowing, heart is beating, breathing is happening, beard is growing. I cut mine off, but yours is growing. So things are occurring. And so we're not we're not getting rid of that, but we're saying that the ultimate situation that we're in is just the perception. The perceiver, so-called uh, self, is uh, discontinuous and won't, won't last. It, can't, it tries to re-create uh, re, uh, re, um, itself through ideas and opinions and hopes and fears and challenges and accomplishments. It kind of to keep re, you know, like competition is a good way to keep recreating ego. Yes. But it seems like all those things are just dualities. So, what you're talking about. And it seems like 
a point of perception would be where you're balanced with all those dualities. That's a misunderstanding. That's a misunderstanding. Yes, balance is a misunderstanding. Unless it's just the case. There's no balancer. Right. You don't say right. Don't agree too quick. I start to have my doubts about you when you do that. That's what Michael just did. Right, right, right. Don't say that. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Yes. In perception only, does there still appear to be a perceiver and perceived? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they're just unreal. So therefore, you, you realize that you're unreal. It's an astonishing realization. I highly recommend it. <laughs> because you, you just realize that, that what you thought you were, you're not. And what you thought everything else was, it's not. And now you know what it is. And it's, uh, I got on my note, I'll read it. Perception is not proof. If it is, it is without doubt. It is beyond this and that, beyond opinion, fact, and fiction, and is called uh, Vijnapti Matra, perception or consciousness only. Oh, I got to use my notes. Yes. Uh, we have several more questions, but we're going to have to stop uh, after this one. Sanho asks, how do we know if we're doing nothing out of awareness rather than not taking responsibility for ourselves? Taking responsibility is, uh, it can get kind of fishy there because it, it's, it's kind of a parental thing coming in and other people telling you what you should and shouldn't do. And as my teacher, Komachina Roshi, said a long time ago, he didn't say it to me, he said it to my son, get your own authority. He didn't say, do what I say, which, of course, Mason would have done anyway. But I, I remember when I heard that, I thought, that's, that's, the te that's a teaching I needed to hear because I've been trying to get some kind of understanding of what authority was. You have to get your own authority, and it can't necessarily be based on relative truth. It has to be baseless, which is called dharmakaya, fancy words that are used uh, by a Buddhist uh, scholars, teachers, and so on. Did I answer the question? I don't see another one. I do have one more, though. Oh, Gil Cadeau up in Minnesota. Well, it's about time she asked a question. I was getting to think she was a big know-it-all. <laughs> she asks, is there no one left to grieve when this sense of self is lost? Grieving still happens, yes. There can be intense grieving over that, and it might be unending. But the world is suffering. And just because you suddenly have a realization of what this is, uh, perception only, doesn't mean there isn't suffering. There are others who don't realize that, who are not liberated, who, who need your help. And they need, need your help, even just one person at a time. They need your help. So there's a, a grieving that happens. Uh, you know, your, your ego dies or it becomes unreal. So you may miss it. Probably not very much, but you might. Other people's suffering uh, tends to find its way into your consciousness, so you, it's hard to avoid every, everyone in their difficulty or their pain. Are we good? Again, we'd like to remind everybody about our donation boxes. We also accept payments online. It is the end of the year, so please give generously as you can. Also, this Saturday is our all day, and we invite you to... <coughs> Be with us then. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and never.